As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Unlike other forms of psychological disorders, the core issue in trauma is reality. Bessel van der Kolk, Traumatic Stress, The Effects of Overwhelming Experience on Mind, Body, and Society. Hi, this is Carla, and welcome to There Might Be Cupcakes and Episode 49, Books and Threads. I'm always available to chat about podcast topics old and new on the podcast Facebook group or its brand new Goodreads group. Just search for There Might Be Cupcakes in the groups on Goodreads. And if you're friends with me on Goodreads, you can expect an invitation to join shortly as well. Hope you don't mind. You may also email me always at Carla at ThereMightBeCupcakes.com or you can comment on entries on the website at ThereMightBeCupcakes.com and I'm on Twitter at MightBeCupcakes and Instagram at ThereMightBeCupcakes. Alright, before we get started today, a technical note. You may hear raindrops. I chose not to mute them out because I'm personally a pluviophile. You may also hear a tiny murmuring that sounds like a far-off old man commenting negatively upon my narration. This is actually my dachshund, Ellie, talking to herself as she goes to sleep. I tried kicking her out, but she's in a mood, capital M, because our family has a new cat, who you can see on my personal Instagram, Carla Haunted, all one word. Ellie's feeling particularly needy and territorial, And she let it be known when I set up to record that she would make far more disagreeable and much louder noises if I excluded her from the room. So, occasional self-soothing, self-talk from a dachshund, it shall be. And I apologize. (laughs) The first part of this episode is going to be about what's going on with me and where I've been not recording. I'm going further into this because I've been receiving messages that my journeys of both chronic pain and illness and complex post-traumatic stress disorder therapy are helping them, that they're following along and finding support in me. I've been posting on Instagram and Facebook what's been going on with me in therapy and in general. These messages mean more to me than I can say, 
and makes me wish more than ever that I've been able to podcast these past few weeks. But grateful that I've been at least able to share what's been going on in my personal and podcast Instagram accounts and in my Facebook account. And my goal, now that I am in long-term therapy and have that support as someone with both chronic physical illness and mental illness, is that I can podcast much more often and regularly. So, with a heads up that I am going to be briefly talking about sexual trauma, with no details, mind you, and how it has formed complex PTSD in my brain, let's talk about my current therapy journey. If you're new to the podcast and are not aware of what happened to me, I did discuss it in detail in episode, This Girl Just Had a Bad Date, and then in episode, A Different World, there in reference to the true crime case of Bill Cosby. In short, what happened is I was sexually and physically assaulted by an ex-boyfriend my second year of undergrad college in 1991. Due to social factors, sexual assault without rape was not illegal in North Carolina at that time, and I met resistance at every turn trying to receive justice. And personal factors, I have learned that I am highly susceptible to depersonalization and mild dissociation with, when under high distress. And due to other compounded traumas I've experienced in my life, I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. What do I mean by depersonalization and disassociation? This quote from the book, The Body Keeps the Score, by Bessel van der Kolk, which I'll discuss more later, explains it well. Traumatized people chronically feel unsafe inside their bodies. The past is alive in the form of gnawing interior discomfort. Their bodies are constantly bombarded by visceral warning signs. And in an attempt to control these processes, they often become expert at ignoring their gut feelings and in numbing awareness of what is played out inside. They learn to hide from their selves. Bessel van der Kolk, The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. I will do a complete separate episode on the difference between PTSD and complex PTSD with the help of my therapist because it's both well worth properly examining and it's fascinating. In that episode, I will explore all that I've learned about the differences and how a traumatized brain is literally structured. And you know I'll bring Dr. Oliver Sacks' books into the mix. So, why has this particular last month been so difficult? Well, this month, we, me and my therapist, started immersion therapy for CPTSD. Immersion therapy is basically reliving the trauma in question over and over in the safe space of the therapeutic relationship through structured storytelling. But there's more, and this is the overwhelming part. We record the session, and then I re-listen to it a number of times during the week between sessions and record my level of distress and response. Okay, it does sound like my therapist is torturing me or I'm torturing myself or both. By the way, listen to me. Do not attempt this on your own. This must be done with a therapist with whom you have first developed a sound, trustworthy relationship. I have been seeing my therapist since the beginning of October and thoroughly trust her. Her office is one of my safe spaces in my life. I beg you not to sit alone or with a friend retelling your traumas. You will hurt yourself. 
There are specific methods to doing this in order to make it safe, and I am not going to explain them here or go into any further detail because I am no longer a practicing counselor and it is not my place to do so. Being able to feel safe with other people is probably the single most important aspect of mental health. Safe connections are fundamental to meaningful and satisfying lives. Bessel van der Kolk, The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. Recovery can take place only within the context of relationships. It cannot occur in isolation. In her renewed connection with other people, the survivor recreates the psychological facilities that were damaged or deformed by the traumatic experience. These faculties include the basic operations of trust, autonomy, initiative, competence, identity, and intimacy. Just as these capabilities are formed in relationships with other people, they must be reformed in such relationships. The first principle of recovery is empowerment of the survivor. She must be the author and arbiter of her own recovery. Others may offer advice, support, assistance, affection, and care, but not cure. Many benevolent and well-intentioned attempts to assist the survivor founder because this basic principle of empowerment is not observed. No intervention that takes power away from the survivor can possibly foster her recovery, no matter how much it appears to be in her immediate best interest. Judith Lewis Herman, Trauma and Recovery, The Aftermath of Violence, From Domestic Abuse to Political Terror. Okay, the idea behind all this grueling work is that my therapist and I working together will reduce through repetition my intense traumatic response to what happened to me. Actually reprogramming how my brain receives the story, sending it through a different pathway than the fight or flight system. Again, how that whole brain circuitry works is for another episode. Once it can receive the story slash memory of the sexual and physical trauma through the normal pathway of memories and information, just like any other memories, and my fight or flight is no longer triggered, then my therapist and I can do the talk therapy work of cognitive and emotional work that you would expect of talking it out and talking it through. But for now, the story of what happened to me over and over, almost every day. And yeah. It's as grueling and as exhausting as it sounds, and I sound. (laughs) Neuroscience research shows that the only way we can change the way we feel is by becoming aware of our inner experience and learning to befriend what is going on inside ourselves. Bessel van der Kolk, The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. Traumatic events, by definition, overwhelm our ability to cope. When the mind becomes flooded with emotion, a circuit breaker is thrown that allows us to survive the experience fairly intact, that is, without becoming psychotic or frying out one of the brain centers. The cost of this blown circuit is emotion frozen within the body. In other words, we often unconsciously stop feeling our trauma partway into it, like a movie that is still going after the sound has been turned off. We cannot heal until we move fully through that trauma, including all the feelings of the event. Susan P. Spinett, The Trauma Toolkit, Healing PTSD from the Inside Out. Which leads me to chronic pain. Why? Well, all this repeated trauma memory and distress has caused a major uptick 
and not only CPTSD symptoms, but in all my fibromyalgia, Errol's downloads, and POTS symptoms. I just finished a two-day migraine. I'm typing this as of yesterday at about a level 7, maybe 8 on the pain scale out of 10. I'm recording this at maybe a 5, which is beautiful. And that's on the pain pill that everybody's upset about in the news. But I am stubbornly determined to do this. I miss it, and I miss you. But yes, my immune system is interrupting my increased cortisol levels. The crying, all that distress, as it's cue to be Mighty Mouse. Here I come to save the day! (laughs) And huge air quotation marks here. Help me! So everything that can be inflamed is. It turns out having physical symptoms in response to trauma memories isn't just normal for those of us with chronic illnesses. I quoted Bessel van der Kolk earlier concerning depersonalization. Dr. van der Kolk, MD, has been the medical director of the Trauma Center in Boston for more than 30 years. He is a professor of psychiatry at my alma mater, Boston University Medical School. He's the director of the National Center for Child Traumatic Stress Complex Trauma Network. He's also the author of the important book I've recently discovered, The Body Keeps the Score, which I've quoted a couple of times now. And there's a link to purchase it in the episode show notes. I've ordered it and I cannot wait to read it. It will, of course, come up again in this podcast. So that's the story about what's going on and where I've been fighting the good fight of chronic physical and mental illness. And one more thing before I move on. As for my genetic testing to find out if I have vascular type EDS that I mentioned in the last episode, I was sent to the incorrect hospital for testing. (laughs) The referral placement I was sent to was only for cancerous genetic testing. So I'm waiting to be sent to the other hospital in Charlottesville. I'll keep you updated. It's never boring around here. Let me say thank you again and afresh for being interested in my health journey. Knowing it helps other people helps me feel so much less isolated as a partially homebound, not driving, all the time sick person. You just have no idea how much it helps. For now, let's forget all about the trauma and talk about some books. Shall we? To round this episode out, books, books, books. This year has been a good one for me as a reader so far. Of course, my general rating for books read is pretty high because I'm a very picky reader. I see it this way. My time is valuable. So my companions should be special, whether they're human or book. I've completed 18 books so far this year, and I've rated 11 of those five stars on Goodreads. And, you know, if you want to follow me on Goodreads, just click through on the link in the show notes. I accept all friends. And please join the new Goodreads discussion group for the podcast as well because... You know, why not? Before I list these books, I'm curious myself as to how picky I am. So I checked my overall book rating on Goodreads after several years of membership. All right, here we go. 7,697 books on my account. Don't forget my dad was an engineer. Numbers. I've rated 2,174 of them. And my average rating is 4.14. That's out of five. And yes, there are some twos and ones in there. There are some doozies. Believe you me, I have had some deep disappointments. Read The Fault in Our Stars. My reasoning in part for that one is my experience in growing up with a sick child in my house. My review is for another episode. Mm -mm -mm. 
and there are more than a couple of did not finish books and I count those as one star because I wasted my time so you can see overall how choosy I must be to end up with so many fours and fives over 2100 books so for this year five stars two five stars for my reading bucket list dream work by Mary Oliver and three early stories by J.D. Salinger I'll do an episode on my bucket lists just for fun and yours too if anyone's willing to share their bucket lists but for brevity now two lists on my bucket list are all of Mary Oliver's poetry and prose and all of J.D. Salinger's books of Oliver's I've now read two Dreamwork and American Primitive both rated five stars halfway through American Primitive I added her to my bucket list that's how powerful her poetry is whoever you are no matter how lonely the world offers itself to your imagination calls to you like the wild geese harsh and exciting over and over announcing your place in the family of things Mary Oliver Dreamwork as for Salinger I've now read nine stories Franny and Zoe which I received for Christmas and plan to reread The Catcher in the Rye which is one of my favorite novels and now three early stories just going to off the cuff and off script and interject something here i was talking in uh, the page turners buzzfeed group on facebook and cracked several of them up true story every time i reread the catcher in the rye which is every two or three years i can't help myself i go around for about a month or two referring to things i like as a sexy bastard and you know stuff knocks me out i will literally go around just ellie you're sexy bastard arlo I love you. You're sexy bastard. I can't help it. I talk like Holden does. When he, he, he's talking about how his older brother talks. His older brother says things. He's such a sexy bastard. And I can't help it. I pick up the slang and everything knocks me out. And just, I'm a dork. I'm a book dork. That's why you love me. But, you know, I knock you out. <laughs> See what I did there? Anyway going back to script this is why i write a script because i'm an idiot anyway <laughs> three early stories by salinger is exactly <laughs> it knocked me out and it's what, what it sounds like <laughs> i am an idiot um this is why i shouldn't be homebound seriously three early stories written early in salinger's life and early in his deliberate writing career he wrote them after he set his own bucket list goal of being published in the New Yorker. Three stories stories are The Young Folks, Go See Eddie, and Once a Week Won't Kill You, which is just the title I love. And I admittedly read them as a writer instead of a reader. And I'm glad I did so because I saw glimmers of Salinger's genius. Just, uh. For example, Go See Eddie is a discourse between a brother and sister. You know, step-siblings? It's, it's uncertain. The backstory and the complete relationship are omitted, which makes their ambivalent dialogue that much more intriguing. It goes back and forth between lovey-dovey and abusive, frankly. As noted in the book's notes, this story is evocative of the best of Hemingway because it's just dialogue and feeling. There's no backstory. There's no explanation. It's just moment. The Young Folks is about two sparkly people at a party. Think post-Gatsby pre-war. 
trying to impress each other and therefore themselves, and in doing so, talking right past each other instead of with each other, and missing the moment entirely. What amazed me about this particular story is Salinger's complete deliberation with every word. There's two sentences where he describes the guy standing up to join the girl, and they find at the same moment that he's shorter than she is. He repeats this discovery, and it sounds like a repetition that should have been edited out. But it's actually a marvelously skilled characterization that shows how much this superficial detail deeply matters to both of these kids. And to paraphrase Holden Caulfield again, it knocked me out. (laughs) To quote, They arose simultaneously. Edna was taller than Jameson, and Jameson was shorter than Edna. One five-star reading was There Might Be Cupcakes Related. I listened to my friend Jennifer Mann's horror short story slash novella, Hannah Beast. Thanks to Audible, my lovely sponsor. You can see the link in the show notes if you'd like to join and get a free book and much more. They're given so much more with memberships now. I was honored to read Jennifer's short story, The Mill Girl. The link is in the show notes as well. In episode 46, Hannah Beast is a highly original horror short and highly spooky. It was a lovely, eerie company on a high pain evening in my headphones. Without spoiling anything, it's about a town's dirty little secret becoming an urban legend. Or is it the other way around? Which is real? What happens if Bloody Mary is actually real? And maybe somebody's fault. <laughs> Love it. Another podcast genre is related, Five Star Read this year, is also an audible uh, book by the This American Life rock star John Ronson. I am an old school podcast listener. This American Life was my first podcast way back in 1999 or 2000. Uh, and John Ronson has always been one of my favorite storytellers of theirs. I remember a delightful story of his where over the phone, long distance, he tried desperately to keep his parents from painting him into a giant mural on the wall of their pub. <laughs> This particular podcast-style book I read this year of his was a fascinating story of the porn industry, which is not something I'm normally interested in at all. It's called The Last Days of August. This true crime story is about the question death of the well-loved porn star August Ames, which started online. In December of 2017, 23-year-old Ames committed suicide in a public park the day after being attacked on Twitter by co-workers and others for what was perceived as a homophobic tweet about pornographic work. In January 2018, one month later, Kevin Ames, her husband, contacted journalist John Ronson to ask him to tell the story of how Twitter killed his wife. Ronson found the story was not so simple. This is an enthralling story, even for me, because I I admittedly am not into porn, and I didn't know any of the players going into this. Another true crime book I've rated five stars this year is by another friend of mine. No bias, though. I never let acquaintance or friendship bias my ratings. It's called Possessed. It's by Catherine Casey. And the full title is Possessed, the infamous Texas stiletto murder. I love true crime titles. It's part of the reason I love the genre. I won't spoil this one for you. I'll only say, remember the stiletto murder in the movie Single White Female? You know, high heel, eyeball. If you haven't seen that horror movie, it's a classic. 
Well, this book is about somebody doing that in real life. Death by High Heel. And the woman in question is as unstable as the character in that movie, and then some. You cannot believe this book. You have to read it for yourself. If someone explained it to you, you would think they were joking. This is highly recommended for anyone that's in true crime. It reads like the best long-form true crime podcast, people, and you know who you are. The last podcast world-related five-star book on this list so far is James Renner's Amy, My Search for Her Killer. If you're a heavy podcast listener, you know James Renner from the Maura Murray Missing Persons case. This book is about the murder that got Renner drawn into the world of true crime. Amy was about his age when she disappeared and then was found murdered at the age of 10 in 1989. The case has never been solved, but in this book, Renner lays out some excellent theories and suspects. The remaining four or five stars read this year so far are neatly paired. Two are horror novels and two are therapy reads. Let's start with the horror novels and then finish as this episode began. The first is Come Closer by Sarah Gran. That's G-R-A-N. This is a claustrophobic intellectual horror novel in that most of it takes place in one character's head. It's cleverly based on a real paranormal theory, which is slyly never overtly mentioned in the novel, which I think is an excellent choice. I think doing so might have broken the storytelling in the fourth wall and maybe would have felt like the writer didn't trust the reader completely. But I'm a paranormal geek, so I'm going to geek out for a minute because I got all excited about it reading the novel. And so just humor me for a minute because this is my podcast. If you don't want a spoiler, <laughs> if you don't want a spoiler, just fast forward 30 seconds or so. If you hear me talking about psychological slash work related horror, you're out of the spoiler woods and I'm on to the next novel. Okay, you still with me? Okay. I saw the possession that occurred and come closer as originating from a tulpa slash thought form. Basically, the really, really short version of this is that an imaginary friend is given so much energy, so much psychological attention by a person who is otherwise isolated, unwell, or perhaps just determined to do so, that the identity slash entity develops free will and some autonomy, while still being attached to the person who created it psychically. Isn't that just fascinating and spooky idea that you could think about something so hard over such a long period of time that you could give it some sort of life? <laughs> I'm not talking about playing with your childhood friend every day. I'm talking about the level of focus and isolation that would come from someone who was otherwise not communicating with others and was obsessing about this identity and the imaginary relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm grossly simplifying Tibetan thought and paranormal theory. Beyond simplifying. But that's the general idea, and the way Grant approached it in this novel is intensely frightening. Okay, spoilers done. <laughs> the other five-star horror novel is The Perfect Child by Lucinda Berry. No spoilers here. Other than that, this is about the horrors of reactive attachment disorder, and you can figure that out from the back blurb. And Barry is actually a professional who knows what she's talking about. I used to do intensive in-home therapy with kids with reactive attachment in their family, and it really is the stuff of the horror genre if left untreated or treated the wrong way. I actually had to stop reading at some points. I got 
some work-related flashbacks. I, w I was truly uncomfortable and had to stop. Also, if you guessed the ending of this novel before it happens, let me know, because I certainly did not. <laughs> Greg Googly Mowgli, talk about a big scare. Another big bad in the horror genre that shows reactive attachment disorder correctly is the horror movie The Babadook. The way that little boy behaved towards his mother, you know, loving her, clinging to her, hating her, behaving sexually towards her, all of a piece. That's rad. So you can see how frightening that is. Finally, okay, let us circle around to the beginning and explore the two five-star books so far this year that I read for therapy. One was assigned by my therapist, and one was accidental therapy. The latter was a collection of poetry by the local, to me, Madison Kuhn, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Madison. Please don't go before I get better. Brilliant. Her words really resonated with me, both where I've been and where I am. I'll be sharing it with my therapist since bibliotherapy is a huge part of our work together. The therapeutic assignment is, I thought it was just me, Women Reclaiming Power and Courage in a Culture of Shame by Brene Brown. This work has been super important in the complex PTSD work we've been doing. Since fighting shame is crucial in overcoming trauma, especially sexual trauma, and Brown's fo focus of research, yes, actual research, years of research, is shame. I'll leave you with quotes from both Kuhn and Brown. Thank you for continuing to take this reader's and personal journey with me, finding and making cupcakes with me. I have two more therapy homework assignments before my appointment on Tuesday morning. This means I have to either retell myself or listen to myself retell the story of the sexual violence against me. Two more times. CPTSD immersion therapy is truly grueling. Then I will go ahead and record episode 50 because I am very excited about it and I have it all planned out. I'll go ahead and let you in on it. I wanted to do something really special and bookish and yet unusual for such a momentous episode. So, drumroll, I will be answering the questions of the Proust questionnaire. You may have seen it in the back pages of Vanity Fair magazine or seen it on Brain Picking's website. Famous people answer questions like, what do you consider your greatest achievement? It originates in a great sense with the author, Marcel Proust, and I'll also be explaining how exactly in the episode. I wanted to do something I haven't seen on another podcast, and I think I've found it. If someone else has done this, please don't tell me. Let me have this little happy cupcake. The best answer to one of the questions I have found so far, of course, is David Bowie's response to the question, What is your greatest happiness? He answered, Reading. See you later this week. I am off to rest up for today's therapy homework. Send me virtual cupcakes to cheer me on, please. Oh, and just a book shopping note before I go. Right now, both Possessed and Hannah Beast are free for Amazon Prime members. Hannah Beast in both Kindle and Audible formats. Just click through the links in the show notes. You get to read them for, for free. And by doing so, you still support the podcast, even though they're free. Enjoy and thank you. Also, please check out in the show notes new ways to support my podcast by saving with the beauty subscription service Birchbox and the vitamin delivery service Care of. 
I am anxiously awaiting my first Birchbox delivery. It should be here tomorrow, and I'll tell you all about it. Most likely in the Facebook group. And I use care of every single day to supplement my medications for my chronic illnesses. Their vitamins and supplements are backed up by scientific research, which they share openly with you, the consumer. And they reward you for taking your vitamins every day. Taking your supplements can actually earn you free vitamins and more, including supplements for other people. I'm two weeks into my tailored regimen. I actually checked after I the script, 20 days. And let's see. And I've earned enough points to snack a free five-day immunity, immunity booster. I can't talk today. I apologize. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> immunity booster powder stick pack, which I shall stash away for an emergency, which knowing my dodgy immune system will be sooner rather than later. Plus, Kev's setup is really spiffy and fun. It really is. You fill out this little short quiz, and you answer questions about what you want help with. I said hair, immunity, and en- energy. You wouldn't believe what a one-two punch EDS plus EDS meds did to my hair. Kev set up a theoretical hair immunity and energy packet, and then it suggested vitamin D because of where I live, people don't generally get enough sun, according to science. My next one offer they, they suggested, I accepted the rest, including the D, and then my month of daily packs was sent to me. I'm also free to change anything about it for next month. Add, subtract, blah, blah, blah. By the way, two weeks in, my hair is a little happier, honestly. I'm a huge fan. If you sign up for Kara via the There Might Be Cupcakes link in the show notes, you will actually save 40 bucks, and that will go a long way because they are super inexpensive. To give you an example, my iron pills are $5 per month. My vitamin D is 5 And my giant B complex, which has the hair goodies, and all eight B vitamins in it, which is impossible to find in the store, I've tried, is $12 per month. Thank you, sincerely, for every click to Amazon, Audible, and now Birchbox and Care-of. Clicking and shopping helps my little one-woman show more than you know. So when you click through, like on my website entries, where I, I put more stuff and I have books and books and books, and you click through, and maybe you don't buy the book, but you buy something else that you were going to buy anyway, you still help me. Clicking and shopping, I mean, it just helps me so much. And I believe in these brands and companies, and I promise I use them regularly. I'm a geek for them, truly. Podcast sponsor or no. See you and Marcel Proust later this week. I'm glad to be back. Take that, chronic illness. Hoo-ha! Everyone knows the great energies running amok class cast terrible shadows, that each of the so-called senseless acts has its thread looping back through the world and into a human heart. Mary Oliver, dream work. In relationships, we are given threads. We can use these threads to weave webs that trap others or to weave blankets of support. It's our choice. Brene Brown, I thought it was just me. And finally, I wrote this quote in my therapy journal amidst my current therapy homework. Journal in a notes. I think it could be the anthem for this podcast, for finding I'm making cupcakes, for finding a way through chronic illness, whether physical or mental. I used to see the stages of my life only as steps towards improvement. I thought I had to justify everything with my desire to be better, seeing present sorrow as a fleeting phase. Like somehow, the lulls of depression and anxiety, the slower days, the dull minute, were not me. But they are. Every moment is valid. Every moment counts. 
And we must learn to love who we are right now, apart from who we could be in the future. We are more than just the highlight reel. We are the moments in between, the messy hair and the drunken irrationalities. We should find peace in the lazy afternoons instead of criticizing the inactivity. Learn what drains you and what makes you whole. Focus on the here and the now and the good. You are here, you are now, and you are good. Madison Kuhn, afterward. Please don't go before I get better. Only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others. Brene Brown, I thought it was just me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.